Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to episode 12, Inside Atlanta Football. I'm news sports editor Matt Daniels on a uh, sunny, spring-like, late Monday morning here in Champaign. Obviously kind of a, a gloomy one for Illinois fans, considering what happened Sunday afternoon on, on the basketball court in Indianapolis. But uh, we're here to try to lift some spirits, salvage some souls, talk about some spring football. Colin Likas, who's busy typing away on his laptop because the kid never does not work. Hello, world. <laughs> Colin, we got spring football coming up. Starts yep. starts Tuesday. Spring football starting Fired Tuesday. Fired up. Five we've, months uh, until the football season kicks off. Some good news for Illinois we, fans. We've got uh, we've got increased um, increased access to the team for spring ball. Something we'll talk about more on this podcast. Uh, Brett Bielema seems pretty committed to having media members uh, well aware of what is going on with his football program this spring, starting even today before we uh, we actually hop into spring ball, getting to talk with uh, Ryan Walters and Tony Peterson, uh, the two lead coordinators for Illinois, on Zoom. And then, yeah, like Matt said, spring ball. And a lot of access and a lot of excitement surrounding this program with a new head coach and several new players coming in and several old players returning as super seniors. So there's a lot to talk about with this group. Super seniors. Mm -hmm. Something I never thought a year ago that I'd hear in college football, but that's where we're at right now. That's where we're at. Yeah, a lot more access, it seems like, given the constraints, obviously, that we're still in, you know, since we're still living in a pandemic Mm -hmm. a year into it at all, but... Um, quite the contrast, I would say, from from the Lovey Smith era. Brett mm-hmm. Bielema actually seems to, at least right now, and and he's said this before too, Colin, that he still acknowledges that he's in in the honeymoon phase. Right. Um, hasn't lost a game yet, hasn't won a game yet either. But is encouraging that he's kind of getting the word out there and making him and his program uh, more as accessible as they can be in these weird times we're we're still living in. But uh, like you said. Defensive coordinator Ryan Walters and offensive coordinator Tony Peterson are set to address the media uh, later this afternoon, uh, about 4.15, 4.30. Colin will have a story uh, on kind of on the defensive aspect uh, for Illinois football going into spring ball in, in Tuesday's paper, and then Wednesday we'll kind of transition to the offensive side, and, mm-hmm. and then we'll have coverage throughout the week as spring ball starts tomorrow, Colin, and, right. and practices first of 15 workouts. Uh, they're going in the morning, correct? Yep, going in the morning. Uh, we're going to be allowed, us media members are, to attend small segments, very very small segments, 15 to 20 minutes is what Brett Bielema told us uh, a few days uh, during the week. This week it's going to be Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I think that's kind of going to be the format throughout. And then uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are more so going to be kind of film sessions for the guys, recovery sessions, more stuff. We don't exactly see things on the field uh, as much. But, yeah, the the format that we got, 
for this coming week, or I guess this week right here. Um, like like Matt said, Ryan Walters and Tony Peterson uh, on Zoom. Then we get Doug Kramer and Donnie Navarro on Zoom on Tuesday. You get Brett Bielema, the coach himself, on Wednesday. And then Owen Carney and Tony Adams uh, from the defensive side of the ball on Thursday. Two more assistant coaches on Friday. And then another Brett Bielema Zoom on Saturday. I mean, that's uh, that's a lot of access to Illinois spring ball, and that's apparently how it's going to be for the entirety of spring ball. And I, I know spring ball doesn't last all that long, ultimately, in the grand scheme of things. We're talking about half a month, but that's still a ton of access to allow uh, to, to spring ball. It feels very much, and this is not to slight Levy Smith and his uh, strategy for things, but it feels very much like a, a Power 5 setup, although I guess... Based on some things I've read about Nick Saban recently, he would probably disagree <laughs> because it sounds like he wants people to stay away from his program during uh, spring most, ball. Uh, most college football coaches are very paranoid. Um, yeah. and, but given the times we're living in... Uh, well, with the that, pandemic. Exactly. All, yeah. In a normal situation, uh, just going back a few years, spring practices, you could go to like the setup is right now where you can watch 15 or 20 minutes or so but given the fact that we really haven't had any in-person interactions mm-hmm. uh, in the last year or so uh, covering Illinois athletics as every college program across the country has dealt with the same thing uh, it's not unique here to oh. to Champagne, but that is an encouraging sign that you're able to go out to practice Obviously, I think what Brett Bielema is doing is unique honestly <laughs> yeah that's true in this day and age um, but in the past, you'd be able to go to spring ball, watch it, and then after practice, you'd be able to talk to to Levy Smith and mm-hmm. uh, whatever players you kind of requested that day. And, sure. and there usually were six or seven, and they were all kind of scattered out, and you just kind of made your rounds there. But obviously, we still can't get to that format just yet uh, in this world. Colin, what has it been like? I've been meaning to ask you this, and I think our listeners might be curious on this too. I know this doesn't have to deal with Illinois football per se. But it has to deal with covering sports in the pandemic. And Scott Ritchie, our Illinois basketball beat writer, covered the entire season via Zoom calls. Mm-hmm, right. uh, what's it been like for you on the high school front? Uh, you know, high school football kicked off this past weekend. You were at a game in Champaign, Danville, Champaign Central. Um, mm-hmm. They don't have Zoom calls set up at these high school nope. games. Nope. So you actually get to talk to people in person. Correct, yeah. At yeah. a distance. Yeah, wearing well, a mask. Wearing your mask definitely at a distance is a little not as easy, but um, I think it's still pretty. Do you uh, give elbow bumps to the coaches? Yeah, you do elbow bumps more okay. than anything. So, some people still, you know, reach out the hand, and I mm-hmm. tend to go for the elbow more so. But that's a, a personal preference, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it's obviously a lot different at the high school ranks, like you said. There's no schools around here that are setting up Zoom calls. I'm guessing there's no schools in the entire state that are doing that. Realistically, that just seems like too much work given that very few or no media mm-hmm. are going to come out to most high school sporting events on a nightly basis on, a, on an afternoon basis but yeah it's it's certainly been interesting you know you, you see a lot of people on twitter a lot of reporters uh, whether it be uh, like myself mm-hmm. in print or tv or radio or what have you saying this is the first event i've covered live and so and so and i'm thinking i've been covering events <laughs> live almost throughout the entirety of the pandemic yeah. save for a a portion where IHSA activities were on hold. We just high school sports kind of just kept kept going, mm-hmm. and I think uh, the big big reasons for that were one, the athletes are so young, which I know you can argue for college as yeah. well, but. Uh, the big argument that a lot of coaches and ADs have always made with me is it doesn't seem like this age group is being affected nearly mm. as badly by the pandemic, by the virus. 
of course, the the argument the other way was, well, what if they spread to their grandparents or vulnerable people and things like that? That's a whole different argument for another time, but that was that's one of the reasons I feel like high school sports has always been a little more open. And then the other reason just being, uh, I mean, it's, it's high school sports. It's not like it's going to be on ESPN unless mm-hmm. it's like Texas football or something like that. So hey, we you've, you've just, gotten a couple of kids locally on ESPN during your true. time here. That's true. But, I mean, it's kind of just, it's... Uh, the, the, the ease of access has always mm-hmm. been exactly. easier with high school athletics mm-hmm. just because it is high school athletics. We're not talking about the University of Illinois here. So uh, once sports were allowed to come back on, as long as you made the right accommodations with athletic directors and coaches and were understanding about space and mm-hmm. masks and trying to keep people safe, then everything kind of just went on as normal. And uh, it was weird covering a football game in a spring and somehow getting a sunburn <laughs> on a, in, in the middle of March. I don't know how I achieved that, but my face is sufficiently burnt from covering that game because it was 60 and sunny uh-huh. um really weird uh but yeah once uh, the kids got going it was like any other football game some of them admitted afterward they were not in the best shape their conditioning was a little little shot mm-hmm. and unfortunately they're not going to have a lot of time to remedy that but you know at least they're getting out there and playing and then that leads into illinois football recruiting mm-hmm. and we've got a couple local kids who have picked up offers in the last few days as well yeah we'll uh we'll get to that here in, in a little bit but brett bielema i don't think could have picked a better week to start spring oh no ball in, in terms of the weather outside Fantastic. Uh, having covered some spring ball in the past it's uh it's always a guessing game on what it's gonna be like i remember levy mm-hmm. smith's first spring ball practice it was a friday night and it was probably 30 degrees yep. and the wind was whipping and it was yep. kind of there's some precip in the air and, and it can be nasty and yeah as we sit here, it's bright and sunny out. A little windy here, but it's maybe a harbinger kind of, of the course things to come. Exactly, <laughs> it's kind of par for the course in Champaign Urbana. So then, when they have the spring game in a, a little less than a month from now on a Monday night, it'll probably be like thirty degrees and snowing. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's but weather in East Central Illinois. You know, to to kind of round back to that topic, Brett Bielema did mention during his Thursday Zoom call with us that he's uh, he's taking all of Illinois' potential. Uh, practice spots into consideration mm-hmm. he's like we've got a stadium mm-hmm. we've got a turf field we've got a grass field we'll figure out what works best for our guys and that's where we'll practice so uh, i don't know if he's even set in stone yet where exactly his athletes are going to be practicing on a day-to-day basis maybe it'll be weather dependent maybe mm-hmm. it'll be you know one of our practices wasn't so good here so yeah. we're just gonna like you said superstition yeah it'll like be interesting that. too uh, i know in, in lovey smith he really did not like practicing on turf he was a natural grass type of coach mm-hmm. really enjoyed right. that and they've got the the grass practice fields on the east side of the stadium right there by the smith center and um Brett Bielema obviously sounds like he'll be switching things up, and I'm sure mm-hmm. the players are just going to have to get used to. Uh, they've gone through workouts so far this winter. Um, they've gotten to know their coaches in a workout-type mm-hmm. setting, but the first practice um, I'm sure will kind of be a, a work in progress just to see how the coaches want things to to operate, the different practice plans, how involved Brett Bielema is with uh, certain segments of the team at all. Right. Um, He's done this before, obviously. He's been a head coach at Wisconsin and Arkansas. This is, so this isn't like his first ever spring session right. with a college team. But he hasn't been with one in, in almost four years now. So this will yeah. be an adjustment fe- adjustment period for him too as well. But uh, excited to see what, what gets going uh, Tuesday here in Champaign as, as spring ball kicks off. Yeah, probably. he did acknowledge that you know back when he was at Wisconsin and, and Arkansas, or Wisco as he called it, um, <laughs> that you know spring ball was more or at least around what he was doing was more they do stuff in the afternoons and the evenings mm-hmm. and he said 60 to 70 percent of coaches now he estimates do things in the morning so yeah. that's what he's going to do now 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. I remember uh, Tim Beckman had afternoon spring practices, if I remember correctly. Uh, then Lovey Smith shifted to morning practices, and they were really early morning practices. <laughs> they were like six yeah. o'clock in the morning start times which were crack just, of dawn <laughs> exactly the, the sun was rising so that's rough on beat riders <laughs> yeah that that don't think many people care about what that's like at all but <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out and uh, i would have to say there's definitely not the same type of excitement or buzz around town um as there was for this men's basketball well, sure. season that just wrapped up on sunday and understandably so but i think there's a a more subtle hint of optimism in the air mm-hmm. moving forward to the 2021 season for Illinois, based on the fact, too, that it looks like, by all indications, we're going to have a full 12-game regular season, unlike the condensed schedule we had last year with mm-hmm. all the changes that uh, took place in, in 2020 for that Big Ten-only schedule. And uh, it's looking like, too, like a pretty favorable schedule for yeah. for Illinois. Uh, they've got eight home games, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But uh, some pro day... Uh, results, activities happened last Wednesday uh, over at the Irwin Indoor Center. Colin, fill us in on on what went down for the Illini in in that event at all. Yeah, so some impressive uh, statistics were put up, as you said. Um, I think the thing that people were most talking about that was most spreading on social media was Josh Amadarbebe's vertical leap. Uh, Allegedly, reportedly, would have broken the NFL Combine's all-time record uh, had it actually occurred in the NFL Combine, 46 and a half inches. Um, the, the photos of it are pretty incredible. Great photos taken by the, the U of I staff that were uh, sent to media. Mm-hmm. We appreciate that. Shared one of them in the paper, as Sunday's paper as well. It looks like Josh Medorbebe is jumping out of the building. I mean, <laughs> it, it looks ridiculous. And I mean, I know he's a tall guy, so in theory that should make his reach a little better, but that still doesn't totally account for just how high that man jumped and I mean, obviously, being a wide receiver is more about jumping, but that is gonna that athleticism is gonna draw some attention from NFL teams. I, I have no doubt. Um, but Kendrick Green also really impressed the guy who I think uh, we we think is most likely mm-hmm. to be drafted. Um, uh, watching his bench press, the Illinois Athletics also sent us video uh, from each guy's pro day, and uh, watching Kendrick Green just power through 225 pound bench presses, he hit his first 15 in what felt like 10 seconds. He was just boom, 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 just going. It was pretty impressive to watch from the Peoria native. Uh, getting to talk to him uh, on last Tuesday prior mm-hmm. to the pro day, he's just he's very calm, very confident. Uh, he seems to he, he didn't want to give too much away, but he seems like he knows. He's going to be drafted, mm-hmm. and it's probably not going to be on day one, but he feels like probably a day two type thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked him if the Bears are going to be talking to him at all, and <laughs> he just laughed and said, I'm not going to be talking about that either. My, my agent told me not to talk. Yeah, about yeah, but uh, yeah, 4.85, uh, 40 dash for, for him, according to his trainer, uh, Duke Manyweather. Uh, 35 and a half inch vertical, 9 feet 11 inch broad jump, which watching the broad jump and watching those guys just kind of, from a flat-footed position, mm-hmm. just kind of fly across the turf. It's, it's kind of impressive, especially for a big guy like Kendrick Green, who's got to carry a lot of weight when he's mm-hmm. jumping across like that. So, yeah, I think uh, Kendrick Green, Josh Matterbebe, both really impressed. And Milo Eifler and Nate Hobbs did did well for themselves also. Uh, Milo Eifler with a 38-inch vertical. 
uh, 4.5, 4.40, 10.6 broad jump, looked really good. And uh, Nate Hobbs as well with a 40-yard uh, a dash estimate because he didn't tweet out a uh, an actual graphic like some of these other guys did, but uh, a reporter uh, out of Baltimore who obviously was paying attention on behalf of the Ravens beat uh, said Hobbs ran a somewhere in the neighborhood of a 4.38 to 4.41 40-yard dash. Right. So somewhere in that neighborhood, 40-and-a-half-inch vertical. Um, the Athletics' uh, Kevin Fishbane, who covers the Bears, noted that uh, that Hobbs's 40 dash time would have ranked among the top five cornerbacks at last year's NFL Combine. So that certainly uh, bodes well for Nate Hobbs, I think. Yeah, it, pro days are always interesting events, and in the past, having covered several, it's, it's a mixture of um, anticipation, but also kind of an, a little bit of a nervous energy in the mm-hmm. air. Oh yeah, um, a lot of these football players especially kind of the the offensive linemen and defensive linemen um aren't quite accustomed to kind of being in the spotlight per right. se yep. uh, and where all the attention is placed on on what they're doing in a 40 yard dash and other various drills at all and then they've also got kind of the mental component of that as well and mm-hmm. uh, i don't know exactly kind of how this year's pro day went i know there were 30 scouts in attendance uh, yep. at illinois but i'm sure players talk to scouts uh, via zoom or in person i'm not oh, sure yeah, I'm somehow sure. that that all went down uh we weren't allowed to to be there because of the pandemic which is totally understandable mm-hmm. but uh it's just curious too because you've got guys that then perform and then they're shuttled off to go talk to a variety of teams as well right. so that may be even more jarring or nerve-wracking than actually getting out there and doing something that you're used to right to doing in, in the football sense you're in a familiar environment usually they're an indoor facility mm-hmm. and then but then you have to go have a job interview too after that where you have to kind of explain who you are to these teams and i'm sure they ask you all sorts of questions specific questions related to your position and your background and things like that so yep. and, and it's added pressure this year for the Il- illinois guys too because there wasn't an NFL combine, so this was kind of their one chance to really kind of show right. NFL teams what they are are capable of. And like you said, Josh Matator Bebe, just the the fact that he basically, again, this is like the second time in his football career we've seen him basically levitate in yeah. midair. Uh, he has an athletic, athletic powerhouse. Yeah, I think he's got a chance to maybe sneak into the late rounds there yeah. and, and just have, I think all four guys that took part are going to have at least a shot, whether it's sure. a, a tryout with a team where they sign as undrafted free mm-hmm. agent or anything sure. like that and try to land a roster spot. But uh, it's good to see that uh, event back, and uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what the coming weeks are like for for those guys. Some other big news uh, last Friday, kind of happened right after the Illinois men's basketball team. Uh, While topped, Scott and I were driving back <laughs> from Indianapolis, actually <laughs> topped uh, <laughs> top Drexel in the 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 first round of the NCAA tournament. While Colin Likas was. Uh, while you were safely driving down Interstate 74, I don't, I don't know how safely I drive personally. <laughs> Ask any of my friends; I'm just not great at it. Okay, well that's that's good to know. Inside, <laughs> you can only get on inside <laughs> football. Watch out for me. Um, but Terry Hawthorne is coming back to Illinois. The the former cornerback uh, for the Illini, former standout at East St. Louis, who uh, won the News Gazette's All-State Player of the Year honors mm-hmm. in 2008 after helping lead East St. Louis to a Class 7A state title. Yep. At Memorial Stadium in Champaign, then went on to a pretty successful career uh, here at Illinois. Uh, I think a lot of fans will remember his pick six in the uh, Craft Fight Hunger Bowl mm-hmm. in 2011. 
Uh, just a guy who's a Ballyhooed recruit coming into that's a, El- that's a word <laughs> Illinois and uh, lived up, to, I would say for the most part, to the hype. Turned into a really solid college player, and uh, he's been coaching at his alma mater, East St. Louis, for the last several seasons. So he'll be back in Champaign. And what's his official title, Colin? His official title is Director of High School Personnel and Illini Relations. Uh, yeah, Brett Bielema hinted that uh, in his Thursday press conference, he said we're, we're on the verge of hiring a former Illini to come back. He didn't say in what role or what capacity or anything, just said there's going to be a former mm-hmm. Illini being hired, and then followed through with that with Terry Hawthorne. Um, yeah, considering his ties to East St. Louis, like you said, a uh, school that certainly churns out mm-hmm. Division One slash college talent, mm-hmm. um, I think this is a good role for Terry Hawthorne, obviously being a former Illini. He knows how to sell this program, knows how to sell a vision of what the U of I can be, and that was from a time where things obviously looked a lot different than they do now. We're not talking about any, any Smith Center, mm-hmm. any hype surrounding Brett Bielema's uh, hire. Uh, so it's an even better vision in my in my mind to to sell for Hawthorne than even when he was a player here as well. So, yeah, great to to get a former Illini on board in in a role like this where you're trying to bring in high school talent, especially considering Hawthorne's ties down down further down south in the state. Yeah, it'll it'll likely benefit Illinois on on the recruiting front. Uh, now he can't go out and on the road uh, whenever coaches are allowed to go out on the sure. road again and recruit. He can't do that. But um, when a recruit is on campus in the future, when mm-hmm. that is allowable again, uh, he'll play a pivotal role in that, mm-hmm. uh, showing them the facilities, being able to relate to them of what his experience was like playing football at Illinois uh, just almost a decade ago and. Um, probably don't say that to him. He's probably, I'll probably be like, oh, man, a decade ago? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> uh, but it also uh, it'd be curious, too, for, for Hawthorne as well because he could parlay the, or he could springboard this position into, uh, you know, coaching down the road sure. at a college level because you've had guys in the past that have kind of filled this role and then they transition into other things in, in the college football coaching profession as well. So. Curious to see what his role will be like for Brett Bielema and how uh, the Illini can can use his talents and his personality to to their advantage as well. Yeah, and uh, just to, to finish out that point, uh, Hawthorne also will be working with fellow uh, former Illini Kevin Mitchell mm-hmm. on alumni outreach for for Illinois as well. So nice. that's an added duty for him. But since you you mentioned the high school front as well, also worth mentioning uh, what I kind of hinted to earlier with those two local athletes who recently received offers mm-hmm. from the U of I over the last four days or so. Uh, Caden Fegan, a sophomore at Arthur Lovington Atwood Hammond, received not only an offer from Illinois, but his first offer of any kind uh, for for football, and it came from the U of I, so that's a pretty big deal right there. Uh, He responded by scoring two touchdowns of more than 45 yards. One of them was a 69-yard touchdown run for Arthur in their Friday opener, which they unfortunately lost to Cumberland. Mm -hmm. But he provided all of the offensive points, so that's usually a pretty pretty (laughs) good thing. But yeah, as just a sophomore, uh, he's getting rave reviews, multi-sport athlete, plays basketball, track and field athlete who probably will get at least one top 10 Mm -hmm. state finish before he graduates. Um, yeah, it's a good offer to pick up for, for Illinois. And then uh, over up in, up in Gilman, up north, uh, at Iroquois West, Clayton Leonard, who uh, had an offer from Central Michigan, so mm-hmm. it's not his first college offer, but the University of Illinois offered him 
uh, as well. So uh, obviously Brett Bielma's staff following through on that in-state recruiting. We've seen that in plenty of other places. Uh, locally, it, it hasn't hit as much. Uh, kind of the, the key guy was Aiden Lawfrey over mm-hmm. in Gibson City, who's already received a second offer from Illinois, had mm-hmm. one from Lovey Smith's staff, got a second one from Be- Brett Bielma's staff. But these next two guys, Fegan and Leonard, are kind of the next two steps in that local uh, local part of that mm-hmm. uh, uh, in-state recruiting push. Quick correction. Thanks to our astute producer, Ed Bond, who, by him telling me this via text just now, Shows very it, covert. Shows that he's paying attention <laughs> to this. But uh, Illinois only has seven home games in 2021. I misspoke earlier, so they have eight. Oh, they have seven. I missed you speaking. Only have seven. They go on the road, play at Virginia, I think September 11th, and then uh, have four Big Ten road games. So only seven here in Champaign. That's which still is, a good Which is one more than what they would have had if yeah. they would have gone to Dublin, which would yeah. have been cool in the sense, too. But yeah. thanks to Ed for, for that. Catch. Um All right, there was some college football this past week and also some interesting news in yeah. state for college football as well that came out late Sunday night um, Illinois State football picked up their first win in the spring on Saturday beating Western Illinois 26-18 and then Sunday night Brock Spack the Illinois State coach <laughs> says we're done playing football this spring yeah. we're going we're to just halt playing games we're not going to do it anymore we're going to focus all of our preparation on to preparing for the, the fall slate in, in 2021 yeah. Curious decision. It's really interesting considering how the season started, where <laughs> yes. where they were blaming an opposing team for trying to dodge them, mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. Illinois State is just not going to play its last four games. That's that's really interesting. I mean, I, I get where he's coming from, but it's a weird time to do that. Your team has just won a g- Like, what was the goal just you decided at a certain point, we're just going to make sure we win a game and then that's it? Like, that's really strange. But, yeah, no more Illinois State football this season. Going to focus on the fall uh, press release from the university says the decision was made to protect the health and safety of the players, ensure their readiness for the upcoming fall season, which fine, but why not just not play any games if you're if that's your argument? Why just play half a season, get these guys all into game mode mm-hmm. and preparation and things like that, and then shorts, short uh, change them like that? It's odd decision in my mind, but it's the decision they made, and I guess at least they got a win before they decided to stop playing. Yeah. Curious to see how that affects them moving forward uh, throughout the, their now off season, which yeah. is normally an off season for them anyway, but now really is the off season before they they embark upon a, a fall twenty twenty one schedule. So kind of kind of curious to see. Uh, I'd, be a, I'd be a little annoyed as a returning player if I my coach just said, you know, we're just done playing. Maybe, maybe the entire team decided it. Yeah, maybe, maybe it wasn't a university decision, and that in that case, then maybe you wouldn't be as annoyed. But I don't know. Yeah, I know Brock's back. I think he's supposed to have a Zoom call this afternoon where I'm sure those questions might be answered at all. But uh, uh, bigger news on the FCS front, the the powerhouse is back down in Charleston. <laughs> uh, Big East, news in the Daniels house. Eastern, Eastern Illinois, and I honestly didn't even know this until you sent out the budget <laughs> for the, the podcast today. After, that's that's a load of garbage. Um, you knew. You knew. No, I really didn't. <laughs> but they, they beat. Uh, it's never easy. To, to beat the Golden Eagles of Tennessee Tech, but that's what Adam Cushing's Panthers did on Sunday. They won 20-20, to 20, picked up his second-ever win in his second season there to BYU. So, uh, you know, just just start the drumbeat now for the hey, you national, start somewhere. T- national title coming down to Charleston. All right, well, let's not get out of hand, but you got to right. start somewhere. Uh, Southern Illinois, which had been kind of the lone bright spot in state so far this spring uh kind of got back sent back to earth on saturday uh lost 44 to 3 to south dakota state the salukis are now three and two on their truncated spring season 
Uh, we're going to get to the final part of our podcast uh, right now where we kind of pick a topic and do a little bit of a draft, call it the Big Ten. Uh, Colin had some, Colin kind of spearheads the direction of this podcast every week. He's got some great ideas, but we kind of brainstormed this morning and, and kind of went in a different direction. We'll mm-hmm. say, this is the ultimate tease. We'll save our top 10 <laughs> that we had planned for later uh, this spring for a future podcast. So loyal listeners pay attention. So mom and dad, please listen and pay attention. Same for Mr. and Mrs. Likas as well. Uh, but we're going to pick our top 10 offensive skill position players. We're most looking forward to seeing what happens this spring uh, on the Illini football team. So that really narrows down the the list of candidates. But, uh, Colin, we came up with a list of 10. Do you want to read the list of 10 or do you just want to make the pick? Yeah, let's make the picks. Okay. Yeah. You get the first pick, Colin. All Go right. ahead. We've All got right. these are the 10 Illinois football skill position players on offense yep. that we are most looking forward to seeing what happens this spring. That is correct. All right. Well, I will uh, I'll lead off with, uh, I think I'll go with Isaiah Williams at All number right. one. I think that's a reasonable pick. Obviously, quarterback is a position of high interest in, in any season, but certainly under a new head coach and certainly after last year where Isaiah Williams and Brandon Peters split time pretty uh pretty evenly uh at, at various points at quarterback so isaiah williams got a lot of good repetitions in in his uh, second year with mm-hmm. illinois football and uh, we'll see what kind of steps he makes forward especially throwing the football uh, we'll see if that's something that's really uh, a point of emphasis uh, i'm sure we won't learn a ton about that in spring ball but maybe we'll see learn a little bit about that uh, but, yeah, I think Isaiah Williams, his development, his growth in spring ball is going to, to be important to see, uh, especially as Brett Milona tries to decide who his starting quarterback will be against Nebraska. Very true. Quick side note, too, and we mentioned earlier that uh, a few Illinois practices this week are going to be open to the media for 15 to 20 minutes. Right. Typically in the past, those 15 to 20 minutes have just featured players stretching and yeah. going through kind right. of position drills. There's no, like, 11-on-11 11 11 or right. scrimmaging. Not going to have any scrimmages to yeah, show so you. Yeah, so you're sorry. not going to get a real good breakdown of the depth chart just from watching guys stretch. But yeah. there you go. Uh, my number one pick, I'm going to stay in the quarterback room. Uh, I'm going to go Brandon Peters. Uh, I'm just really curious to see how he responds to a new coaching staff, to a new offensive coordinator and Tony Peterson, how quickly he can uh, learn the system and the scheme that Peterson has in place. Also just curious, too, what Peterson's scheme is going to be like to take advantage uh, of the quarterbacks here and, and how they view. Because they, they're coming in, the new coaching staff's coming into a situation where it's not like you have Trevor Lawrence back or Justin Fields or they're the clear-cut guy. I mean, Peters, under Lovey Smith and Rod Smith, the former offensive coordinator, I think was that guy. But they always wanted to kind of throw Isaiah Williams into the mix as well. And curious to see kind of where they stack up. You've almost got like a 1A, 1B. Maybe someone plays really well this spring and just kind of takes hold of the job. And and that's the guy going into fall training camp at all. But I think Peters has got kind of maybe a chip on his shoulder, feeling like he kind of wants to prove something after kind of some too inconsistent injury marred slash COVID marred Mm -hmm. uh, seasons during his time here at Illinois. And, um, Otherwise, I don't think he would have come back for his, his sixth season at all. But uh, I think he's coming back with a purpose and wants to prove to folks that, that he is, he can be the guy at, at quarterback for Illinois to, to lead this program to a bowl game in a successful season. So my number one pick, I'm going to go Brandon Peters. That's a good number one pick. 
Got to get that quarterback controversy out of the way early, right? <laughs> that otherwise, co- quarterback controversy that the media creates. Yeah, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you'll be like, Love you know, it wouldn't be a quarterback. Quarter- wouldn't it wouldn't be a quarterback week. controversy <laughs> if the coaches would just tell us who the starter is. All right, exactly. Then there would be no exactly. quote unquote quarterback controversy. No, I agree. So I, maybe, I maybe, totally agree. <laughs> maybe Tony Peterson comes out later this afternoon and says, <laughs> "This is our this, starter. This is our starting quarterback." Wow, <laughs> that would be the most flooring press conference ever. That would be an easy story for you for Tuesday's yeah. paper. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, with my second pick, uh, I am going to go with somebody who was talked about a lot on Twitter uh, last season, <laughs> probably more than in the News Gazette or on TV or anything like that, uh, Luke Ford. Uh, really curious to see uh, what his second year is like, or second playing year is like with Illinois, especially after last season where he really did not catch very many passes. He was on the field a lot. Mm-hmm. He just was, you know, he's targeted sometimes, but yeah. he just did not really catch the ball very much at all. Um, I know after the first game, uh, there was kind of an outcry on Twitter involving Luke Ford's dad where there was some expressed disappointment about the way Luke Ford was being used. And that kind of just trickled down through the rest of the season. Each game, at least one person would tweet out, where's Luke Ford? Is mm-hmm. Luke Ford playing? People just wanted to know why this guy wasn't getting 10 targets a game, mm-hmm. five receptions for 80 yards and a touchdown. Um, admittedly, uh, just looking at the way tight ends were used under Rod Smith, I mean, uh, th- there wasn't as much emphasis put on them catching the ball. Daniel uh, Barker. Besides Daniel Barker. <laughs> Uh, the other guys really, Daniel Amatorbebe mm-hmm. um, and Luke Ford and other guys really, there there weren't a lot of yeah. balls thrown their way, ultimately. Part of that had to do with Isaiah Williams being a quarterback. He didn't throw the ball as much, but part of it, I think, was just the scheme that Rod Smith was running where guys like Mike Epstein and Chase Brown were more liable to touch the ball. So, yeah, Luke Ford, um, unfortunately, like you said, not going to see you know any 11-on-11 stuff mm-hmm. where we see if Luke Ford's targeted 15 times in 15 <laughs> consecutive plays, but I'm really curious to see what, how his spring goes and just uh, maybe get a better idea of how he might be mm-hmm. utilized moving forward. All right, solid choice. Uh, my second pick, I'm going to go with a guy that uh, has not played a single game for Illinois, but mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see what role he may have on the 2021 uh, Illinois football team, and that is running back Chase Hayden, okay. uh, transfer out of East Carolina. Started his college career at Arkansas, was recruited by Brett Bielema to the Razorbacks, um, had some success at mm-hmm. Arkansas early on in his career, and then his playing time kind of diminished a little bit. Um, obviously, he's coming into a backfield that's already pretty well stacked with yeah. Chase Brown and Mike Epstein returning, but running back is a position where you want to have the most depth because injuries are more likely to happen. Common, yeah, yeah and, and especially to... Given Epstein's uh, path, past history with injuries, uh, that's always kind of a concern. Um, and two, just the the new offense that, that Brett Bielema and Tony Peters are going to have, you'd have to think it's more run-oriented than mm-hmm. spread out the you field and, so. and throw the ball, uh, which was seemed to be the case uh, under Rod Smith at all. So Chase Hayden, going with him for my second pick, just just really intrigued to see what, what he might be able to bring to uh, this mm-hmm. Illinois football team. That's a good pick. Uh, I am going to move from running back to wide receiver All for right. my next pick. 
Uh, Josh Manorbebe kind of shouted out this athlete during his pre-pro day Zoom, Brian Hightower, um, whose presence becomes even more important after some off-season transfers and, and then the loss of Josh Manorbebe as well at wide receiver. Yeah, Brian Hightower uh, kind of going to be one of those incumbent receivers who you kind of expect to, to really step up and kind of start carrying the load as mm-hmm. far as receivers go. Like you said, probably going to be more of a running back-focused uh, deal on offense, uh, guys like uh, like um, my brain just went totally dead. <laughs> guys who run the ball, um, Chase Brown and uh, Mike, Mike Epstein, Epstein and Chase go. Aiden and guys like that. This is what happens when you juggle twelve beats like yeah. Colin is doing. Yeah, um, but guys like that be touching the ball more probably than Brian Hightower does. Um, a guy that we were talking about before this, this one on Jafar Armstrong mm-hmm. is somebody we're interested in, but he's not currently on the Illinois roster, so we didn't include him mm-hmm. in this draft. Uh, we don't know what his status is for mm-hmm. spring ball at this point. Um, but, yeah, Brian Hightower, along with a guy like Donnie Navarro, somebody really worth uh, kind of watching during spring ball, but more so Hightower because mm-hmm. uh, he was kind of overshadowed by a few different people yeah. last year, and now that many of those people have, have left uh, for different venues – um, it'll be interesting to see how he steps up and tries to, to fill a Josh Amato Bebe-sized void. Sounds good. Uh, my third pick, I'm going to stay with a guy who is listed as a wide receiver on the roster but is more known for his <laughs> not only his kicking exploits but his ability to essentially be at every possible sporting <laughs> event in the area at yeah. any given time. It's impressive. And that is uh, Danville native Caleb Griffin. <laughs> Uh, I know he surprised a few people last season uh, when he went back and returned punts uh, against Iowa. I'm just including him on this list, too, because I just think it'd be awesome to have a kicker slash wide receiver actually contribute at wide receiver as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. that would be a huge nugget slash storytelling piece Mm -hmm. of any broadcast that Illinois football has in 2021. Plus, he's got the personality to... Uh, yeah. be out there and uh, have fun with it and, and he showed good hands in the past and was quite the athlete at Danville High School, played four sports football, soccer, was our boys soccer player of the year mm-hmm. as a junior uh, starter on a really good boys basketball team and also contributed in baseball as well so just basically give Caleb Griffin a ball and let him go to work oh, um, yeah. I just think it'd be a really cool story to see happen if he does flourish at wide receiver and kind of become a dependable option on on offense and then also i think it's clear he's going into the season as a backup kicker to james mccourt but he proved last year in the few games mccourt missed because of covid protocols that he can fill that role as well so Mm -hmm. just a intriguing storyline to watch see play out this spring at all yeah and uh, just to kind of finish off that talking point brett pilama talked about caleb griffin during a zoom which Mm -hmm. specialists usually do not get that spotlight (laughs) but obviously as you said he also is listed as a wide receiver now but he he said bielema did that uh, caleb griffin went one-on-one in a uh, a drill earlier this year with a deuce spam Mm -hmm. and the caleb griffin basically spanked him i mean he beat him pretty handily uh, in the one-on he basically put like just he put guys against each other mm-hmm. in one-on-one format. It was mostly like offense, defense, but there were also obviously some specialists thrown in. Caleb Griffin was among them, and he beat Deuce Span in a one-on-one okay. matchup. What all that entailed, I'm not sure, but regardless, <laughs> it, it obviously stood out to, to Brett Bielema and his staff. Um, for my next pick in the draft, I am going to go back to the running back room. Um, a guy we didn't see a lot of uh, last season. Uh, really, the only time we saw him extensively was the one game Mike Epstein missed mm-hmm. for reasons we still don't know. Uh, Reggie Love the third, 
um, as a freshman, ultimately had just 10 carries for 12 yards, so nothing really to speak of in that nature. But he's got a lot of promise. Um, I think with uh, with Corey Patterson staying around, there's a good connection there. Uh, now that Corey Patterson has also mm-hmm. shifted positions as well, I'm curious to see what impact that might have on, on Reggie Love's standing on the team. Like you said, that running back room is pretty loaded. It's going to be really tough for Reggie Love to, to break out in a, in a significant way once mm-hmm. the regular season starts. But perhaps he has a really promising spring and really impresses. I mean, this is a he, he's only going to be a sophomore, so it's not like you know he's it's now or bust for mm-hmm. him. But, I mean, if he wants to step up for looking forward into the future as a junior mm-hmm. and a senior, this would be a good spring ball time for yeah. him to really impress Brett Bielema's and staff and say, you know, once Mike Epstein and Chase Brown and Chase Hayden are gone, I'm mm-hmm. going to be your guy. I can be yeah. your guy. This is going to be an important time for him, I think. All right, solid pick. My fourth pick, I'm going to stay in the running back room uh, with a guy that has been associated with the program now for almost six years, uh, dating back to his high school time. And mm-hmm. and that's Mike Epstein. Yep. I think every Illinois football fan knows what he can do on the field when he's healthy. He can be one of the most productive running backs uh, that Illinois has. It's just a matter of him being able to stay on the field, and he showed that in flashes. Last season, spring ball for guys like him and veterans like Jake Hansen and others, they're – I wouldn't say it's meaningless, especially not this spring, considering mm-hmm. you've got a new staff in place, you've got new schemes you've, you're trying to learn, things like that, but also just what his role is going to be like this spring, how Brett Bielma uses him, manages his workload, make sure he doesn't suffer an ill-fated injury in the right. spring or suffer any health setbacks this spring, I, I think is going to be something to watch for. So with my fourth pick, I'm going Mike Epstein with okay. that one. Your like, final pick, Colin. like that pick. you got two guys left on our board. Right. Uh, Dick Buckus, <laughs> Dick Buckus and Red Green. <laughs> yeah, oh. um, rounding out my uh, my draft here, I'm going to go uh, back to the receiver room with uh, Kamari Thompson. It was maybe a name that Illinois fans, you know, didn't think about as much last year. He was used primarily in the return game, mm-hmm. wound up with uh, 12 returns for 234 yards. Uh, former Missouri transfer, though, now that like we mentioned before. Uh, with Brian Hightower, now that that receiver room has gotten a little thinner, mm-hmm. uh, maybe the, t- the the time is now for Kamari Thompson to, to to step up and become kind of a, a secondary receiver who can you know get some not not every rep mm-hmm. but get some reps during regular season games as a receiver and not just as a uh, kick returner. So I'll be curious to see uh, what happens with Kamari Thompson this spring and if we see that push toward him becoming a, a secondary or tertiary receiving option. All right, sounds good. Uh, my final pick, I'm going to go with uh, go back to the quarterbacks. A uh, guy that actually started a couple games last year for Illinois, kind of lost in the oh, shuffle. That was, that was almost everybody, a quarterback yeah, for Illinois. That's, that's true, but uh, <laughs> he did show some flashes in his brief playing time mm-hmm. last season and kind of reminded some folks of, of why he was brought to Illinois in the first place after his standout high school career mm-hmm. at Peoria, but that's Corian Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think going in the spring, you'd have you'd probably have him slotted third on the quarterback depth chart behind Brandon Peters and Isaiah Williams. Um, but he's got a chance to make an impression on the coaching staff this spring and, and maybe find a, a niche role for him, uh, wh- even if he doesn't emerge as the starting quarterback, which I don't think maybe a lot of people are expecting him to do. But he did show flashes last year and was able to move the offense at times when he did play. Uh, obviously, I had to cut down on some of his turnovers, but new staff, new chance for him to, to impress and see what he can do. So my final fifth pick, I'm just in, intrigued to see what Corrine Taylor does this spring and, and how he can, can help this Illinois football team. 
All right, Colin, we're done with everything. Anything else you want to add before we get back to writing copious amounts of copy for Tuesday's news? I don't think so, but uh, tune in for next week's podcast because we'll have one week of spring ball down, and there's a lot that I'm sure we're going to learn, at least from our Zoom calls. Maybe maybe not on the field. Colin will be able to tell you who the best stretchers are on the (laughs) Illinois football team next year. Best stretcher. That's our next top ten. Who who stretches the best? (laughs) I'll get some video. There. Okay, there you go. Good luck with that, Colin. All right, (laughs) thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good week.